Welcome to yeah, Boozy yeah. Banter. <laughs> Bienvenue à Boozy Banter. <laughs> Welcome to Boozy Banter, brought to you by Wine Styles, where Brian, Matt, and a cast of characters start out chatting about all things booze and end up in places and conversations completely unexpected. Settle in. Even their rabbit holes have tangents. Hello and welcome to the Boozy Bander Podcast with Brian and Matt. Coming to you from the cozy pub in our mind's eye, with the absolutely gorgeous weather here in Iowa this week, we thought we'd bring in an equally gorgeous man with some glorious beer. I don't know about that. We have some holy beers, some holy English beers, something with spice and a lambic that's nice, and a few bonus things in the back there that I think we're going to pull out. Bonus. You said but bonus. I did, yes, <laughs> with, the, with the U.S. on the end of it. So, right. I'm sure there are a few other words that we could have made with different letters, but Hi, uh, let's not start that now. No. How are you doing tonight, Brian? I'm doing well, Matt, and yourself? Well, I'm, uh, I'm getting into second gear. Like, I've been in first gear all damn day. We both have. Like, yeah. We both have. I don't know if it's the weather where it's, it's November and it's 75 degrees outside yeah. and you don't know what to put on in the morning because you know when you yeah. come home at, at night it's still going to yeah. be in the 50s, so you almost yeah. have to dress in layers. Well, I feel like one of those uh, fat squirrels that are outside of my, my window that when they hop, it's like they're hopping in friggin' slow motion. <laughs> like, I don't, it's, they're suspended yeah. in the air before they land. It's it, They're full but of nuts. It's majestic. Yes, it's, it's it just is. It's beautiful. Yeah. But uh, before we really get off track here tonight, uh, let's at least welcome our friend Jason Wallen. Uh, Wallen. Well, Wallen. Yeah. Wallen. It's nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Boy, Wallen. Boy, I just blew our cover right there. But first, let's Wallace. welcome our friend Jason Wallace from Merchant Devin. Uh, Jason, uh, we're going to pop open this, well, we already have popped open this we have. Uh, prequel beer here for us, uh, but as we're uh, drinking this down, because Brian and I are thirsty, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, at least your job title. We can get into the rest of it later. All right, rock and roll. <laughs> well, good evening, gentlemen, and uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this is uh, first beer we'll do is uh, actually just a beautiful Pilsner, and uh, if anything, it's just a nice way to moisten the palate. I mean, I mean. Who doesn't like to be moist when they first uh, get into this? Uh, That's a fun word to say. Yeah, moist. exactly. Yep. So, but uh, so of course, yes, you dig the name right. It is Jason, and it is uh, Merchant Duvin, yeah. and uh, yeah. So we are. I work for a beer importer, and uh, we actually bring beautiful beers from the old country. Uh, kind of a uniqueness because um, there's a lot of new country going on, but there's always some good old country coming out there. So uh, it's always nice to know, remember the old, the old past. And so, yeah, so um, first beer we're trying this night, tonight is a tiny little brewery in northern Germany called Pincus. And it's a 204-year-old brewery. And what's crazy about this is that it's, it, if you can only imagine what German hippies are like, uh, <laughs> this is a really unique couple that uh, got kind of crunchy, got a little bit uh, unique, and in 1981 decided to go fully organic. And so they decided that, you know what, let's take this century-old uh, uh, brew pub that sits in the town of Munster, and let's start making everything organic. And so um, what's cool is that it's just a really nice husband-wife collaboration, and uh, they make a really beautiful pilsner and a nice golden ale that they come out with. And so, yeah, so this evening we're doing, uh, to start off, we're going to do the pills. How do they look for being 204 years old? 
A little wrinkly. Yeah. A little wrinkly. So vampires. Well, anytime yeah. I think of German kind of hippies, I think of the, uh, the well, it's FKK, but FKK, the um, camping sites mm-hmm. that are, are nudists. And, you know, we almost accidentally drove into one and, and camped there. But, uh, but yeah. And what now you're looking back and you wish you did? And... I don't know. Part of me kind of does. I mean, the just. The nudist in you? Yeah. Just, just wandering. You know, free as the breeze. Yeah. And, uh, it was a nice day, although it was freaking cold that night. You know, you understand, Brian. I do. So, yeah. <laughs> I, do. I do. I do indeed, Matt. You know what I love about having you here, except for having you here, is um, Matt and I, I think we feel the same way with this, with all of the new world stuff going on and all of the Oreo cookies and beer and all that stuff. It's nice to just have something that is just, you know, malt, barley, you know, Water. Simpler. Yeah, just yeah. simple. And yep. that's what tonight's kind of about. Yep. And uh, kind of beckons you back to, you know, many, I'm old, so many years ago when this was this was all there really was for sure. true craft beer. Yep. And it still is, obviously, but I'm, I'm excited because this is, this is my stuff here. This is my jam. Well, none of this, or none of these that we're drinking tonight uh, are things that you can hide a bad brewmaster yeah, in. True. I mean, you're not... It, you make a pills, people are going to know if you're, you're bad at your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, is it's a lot of pr- it's a it's a major pride factor in what it is, you know. And in turn, for you know, for this family, I think the unique thing is, is for us, it's about relationships and everything that we represent is all still family owned, or we'll talk about it later monastic. And what's unique with this is that it's really just this, it's the traditions of what happened in the um, original beer culture. In Europe and how it evolved in different regions and in this case with this is you know it didn't follow um, the extreme that we'd see with Bavarians but it's still German so they still follow Reinheitsgebot so the four traditional ingredients but in turn you know this is their way and so um, with this family is that for them to want to do organic and then to be actually labeled as the world's first organic was kind of unique because they just decided to pick it. It's not like they went to get that moniker in, hmm. the, in the early 80s. And so we picked up on them because, one, they're just really good people. Um, what is unique with this is that this family actually started doing, had actually like a brew pub concept. So when you go there, you actually have an actual gravity-fed brewery, and right below on the main level is where you go and have an actual meal. And so and it's unique in that it sits in the town of Munster and cobblestone streets, and it's just you get that vibe, and that's what's cool. And so, and of course, then you just get to see the people and the relationships and, and it's a husband and wife brewing team. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it kind of goes back to the roots, but in turn, 30, 40, 50, 60 years back, you know, and so, but um, yeah, so nice well, to see it. How long has Merchant Duvet been around? 1978. Okay. So, uh, been on the map since 1978. Uh, what's unique is that uh, I tell people that the, one of the oldest importers in the U.S., um, came on before, roughly six to nine months before Sierra Nevada came in play. So kind of unique because, you know, in terms of craft breweries, people know Sierra Nevada, people know Lankerstein and um, everything else from there. But in turn, what's unique is that they didn't realize that these breweries that we represent in the U.S. have actually been around before that. So, yeah. So Merchant Devin, um, you're all about beer, but 
what's what where, where's the where's the name come from? You mean Merchant of Wine? Yeah, Merchant of Wine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, those VIN numbers. Yeah, exactly. I thought, I thought, yeah. you know, I thought yeah. you had a chop shop. <laughs> you know, yeah. it used to be a car company. Exactly. <laughs> we chop cars on the side. But, uh, no, yeah, it's unique. Uh, when I first started with the company, I actually thought, well, Merchant of Wine is kind of unique. Didn't understand it, but uh, uh, it really made sense. I actually come from a former wine background, and I got into beer, got into better things beer. And, and what I found about this company was that the founder, his name was Charles Finkel, and the gentleman uh, is out of Seattle. And if anybody knows um, Pike Brewing out in Seattle, they Charles founded uh, and started uh, Pike Brewing, and currently owns that as well. Um, Charles was in the wine industry, and he worked for Chateau Saint Michel in okay. the '70s. And so, when basically uh, Chateau Saint Michel got purchased, um, they in the '70s he went off to start his own wine importer. And so, that being said, he set up a wine importership of Merchant of Wine, but got sidetracked along the way. He met <laughs> uh, he met some. Booze hounds along the way, I'm going to put it. Uh, he met some other people that were out there. One of them was Michael Jackson of the beer world. Oh, and um, Michael Jackson pointed him in the way of Samuel Smith and Lindemann's family and um, the Insocomer family with um, with the Eyinger Brewery and, and um, kind of fast-tracked it to, hey, I'd like to bring these beers to the United States. And how do we do this? And it's only 1970s. And at that point, there was only 140 or less breweries in the U.S. at that time. And so, but what was unique with it in, in turn was that um, Charles looked at this, uh, looked at the beers that he tried over in Europe, and he equated them to basically beer and food having the same compatibility as wine and food. And that's kind of what brought us to this point, was that he wanted to bring eclectic beers to pair with food into the 80s. And he kind of went a different route and instead of going wine and food and really kind of started to get into beer and, and next thing you know, 42 years later, here we are. Oh. So. 42. Yeah, yeah me too. It's 42 years later, here I am. So. No. <laughs> it's a good year then, eh? Yes, it is. Cheers. Well, that is is, is and was a delicious beer. Um, they make an alt beer too, right? They do. Yeah. And what yep. what the, what does alt mean? What is that? Uh, Alt is old, right? Alt is old, yep. So does that mean it's an old beer? Not so much. <laughs> Repackaged. It's, exactly. it's, 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 it's old beer. Step down the drain, it's back in yeah. the pot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, no, it, you know, really, in, in, in reference to Germans, uh, it's usually alt just means old. It's an old recipe. It's something unique that uh, has been around for years. It's, it's recycled. It could be um, old, brought back again. And so in this case, uh, for them, the beer we're talking about is Munster Alt, and so it's an ode to the roots of Munster, but it's an actual ale. Uh, but what he does is, is he takes their um, golden ale and he actually does a little bit of lacto-fermentation, which we are all familiar with that, with um, what's going on with sours in the, in the U.S. now. And so he actually little, adds a little lacto into it, and it's kind of a unique beer because most German alts are always considered to be brown. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this is the only golden alt that's out there that's kind of unique, but... Uh, yeah, and like I said, it's it's a brewer's flair. It's what he wants to produce, and so it's called Munster Alton. Beautiful. This first one is super, yeah. super crushable. 5.2% alcohol, lawn mowing beer, yep. kind of, sort of, right? Traditional Pilsner. Yep. Yeah. Very good. We got a lot of beer. Yeah, I'm staring at one of my favorite beers, period. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, there's 
And we're gonna get into the the monks and. Uh, <laughs> what's the uh, what's the Trappist ale that you basically pour pull up and they uh, you have to open your trunk That's and uh, West Lateran or whatever and it's in the yeah. the, the wooden thingies Westy Twelve yeah. actually Westy we have 12. one in the office Dude, Dave Riley brought a couple of them for us yeah but that stuff that you wanted what do you want it in this guy yes you mean the one that has the name on it <laughs> yeah I'm new here yeah. they got a, we're pouring it in proper glassware yeah. this evening too which we're which is kind of fun. It's the term I use. It's one thing. It's bonafide. To, yeah, it's bonafide. one thing to pour it in proper glassware for yeah. for wine. It's a whole different thing to put it in proper glassware when it's beer. It's well, especially beer. with the you know, these Belgian glasses, it just enhances the aroma of the beer. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to drink that out of the bottle if someone hands it to me and I don't have a glass. But if and when you can get a beer or a specific glass for a beer. Especially in Belgian beer. It's just what it's designed for. So this is one of my favorites. It's uh, it's so favorite I actually put a tattoo on my arm for it. But uh, uh, this is Orval. Is that so, a new tattoo? You know, I got it right during COVID shutdown. <laughs> you do that yourself? Yeah, prison tattoo. He just put his arm yeah. through the fence at the exactly. prison. And exactly. Slid <laughs> down to Fort Madison, and uh, here we go. So what so, is the uh, that what is the logo there for, for so this So this is actually right off that my inspiration was off the glass, actually, mm -hmm. believe it or not, the trout. Uh-huh. So, but uh, we, do a, we do a dedicated day every year called Orval Day. And um, it's a charitable event that we do. So we all the money that's raised from the sales of Orval Day uh, once a year. It's usually in March. And um, what's unique is that everything that's sold on this one day that we dedicate, we actually dedicate 50 cents per bottle to Safe Water Network. So um, uniqueness, uh, you know, kind of falls in line with what's going on with, with Orval, is that <clears throat> Trappist monasteries ultimately make beer to contribute to actual charity and so this being said we wanted to have something unique and so with, with Orval Day we wanted to have kind of a unique property and, and uh, salute uh, those who support the product so but to very cheers. Cheers. cheers 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 so how many how many Trappist uh, beers are out there seven eight twelve now twelve twelve now was that the um the one that you got us last year for beer club, the Zundert? Zundert, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so what's unique is um, it's a special club. So uh, first of all, picture an actual working monastery. So wipe off everything you've learned with with um, why they make beer. I mean, ultimately think about it is you know, there's monasteries that will make chocolates and monasteries will make caskets. There's one in Dubuque that does that. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's some that make candies and other goods and so artisan goods. And so the ultimately, I always put it is that to keep the monastery running, is to sell your goods outside the, the monastery. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, there's actually 12 uh, deemed monasteries that make beer and use it to basically keep the monastery running. Um, but keep in mind that the, on, the monastery, uh, on the monastery property, you have a baker, you have a, a blacksmith, you've got someone that's a butcher, you've got... Do uh, you have a candle, candlestick maker? Might have a candlestick maker. Yeah. You might even have someone that sews yeah. shoes. I, yeah. I mean, and yeah. a candle so, maker. And yeah. a candle maker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So and then it's, some guy named Frank that they just they don't want him to do anything because he just keeps breaking stuff. <laughs> there's always there's that always a Frank, right? Yeah, there's always a Frank. Frank and Adana. Hey, Madonna. <laughs> That's so good. So, so good. Yeah. So um, so this is Orval. Yeah. So it's what's unique is of course it's monk beer. So it's for short. 
Um, this is actually brought two vintages, so we have we're gonna enjoy in some 2020. This is a fresher um, beer. What is unique with this is this is a Belgian pale ale, so to speak. Uh, three different hops, three different malts. Uh, the beer is then infected, believe it or not, with uh, Brettanomyces. So if you're not familiar with Brettanomyces, is actually what would be similar uh, yeast that would be in, say, Lambics or also in uh, uh, other sours. But in turn, this is one brewery that actually does it on purpose to do beer. So what they'd learned is over the years that Monastery, while they were making this beer, they'd realized that something infected their beer. And to make that quality, they wanted to actually find the source. And so they found the source, which was Brett, and they added it to this beer to actually infect it and then give it this quality. So what's unique is that at the point of when they're bottling this beer, they inject this Brettanomyces uh, into it. And then that will sit in the bottle for another five years and actually change the complexity. So that's why we brought two different vintages tonight to kind of change it and see what the difference is. So well, it definitely has a little bit of that funk and a little sourness to it, if you yeah. will. Yep. It's it's delicious. Yep. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably the glass. fruitiness too that yeah. just pops out. But well, you know, with Brett, I I struggle with it because there are beers like this which are amazing, mm -hmm. and then there are others. You know, being a retailer that people just try and sell me and like oh yeah this is a, a bread ipa or this is a no it's not. Know, a brat, it's not no no you screwed up and your beer got infected yeah. and you're trying to sell me yeah. a yeah. crap beer yeah. and we and, meant to do that yeah, yeah and make yeah. me feel like i'm uh you know, getting something cool yeah yeah, yeah. As opposed to i can feel stupid hey, we, on my own we have up yeah buy our beer yeah <laughs> <laughs> this would be great you know yeah, yeah. we've got a lot of suckers out there that'll buy this yeah, yeah. Here's my Brett water too. And just uh, it'll be fine. We just put some vodka in it. And yeah, that is a little bit of souring agent. <laughs> oh yeah, I, truly, this is. I, I don't get me wrong. I, I really like all the other you know, Trappist ales. Mm -hmm. You know, things like Chimay and, and Rochefort. You know, all that. Yep. But there's something just about this one that there's just something pure about it. Like it. I don't know what it is. It just, it seems to drink so clean to me. Well, it, there's really, the, the unique thing is, is that yeah. the trappers that you mentioned, they all have their own kind of characteristics yeah. to what they do. But Orval really just does, they beat to their own drum. They make this style. They don't, uh, they don't, only thing they differ in this is they might add a different hop combination every other year. Um, they might, um, they might dry hop for longer. It depends on the brewmaster. Um, and what their intentions are, but the thing is, is really what they're trying to come away with is con uh, consistency, but also too is that that Brett that's in that bottle mm -hmm. is going to change this beer no matter what, yeah. and they know that. So really, a finished product when they come off the line is like, how do they want that? You know, this is unique because this actually has three different hops. Uh, I think they started using a, um, a New World hop uh, a couple of years ago, and the reason being is I should point this out is that. Out of all the monasteries, and being the fact that these are monasteries where monks are at, male monks, is uh, this is actually the only monastery that has a female brewmaster. Wow. And really? so she's the first one. She was, she'd been there for 20 plus years, and, uh, and she had actually uh, decided, or when the gentleman before her that uh, brought her up, that she was assistant to, um, he promoted her, and uh, when he retired, and uh, she came on board. So, yeah. Um, uh, Anne Marie is her name, and she's very, very talented, and and so she's done a little bit of the beer, but she's kept it very classic, and it's just a unique thing because you know, um, 
I could go on and on for yeah. days of what Orval means and yeah. you know where it's located and how and everything they do. But quite honestly, it's just a one of a kind beer. Yeah. yeah. Quick question for you. Yeah. How many trout are in each one of these beers? How many trout? Yeah. Do they yeah. put like is it one whole trout in each beer, it. or they just dip a, they trout, dip a trout in trout. the beer? Yeah. 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 I haven't measured the protein count on these yeah. lately. It's, it's been yeah. a while. So, yeah. but I mean. I've had them pretty warm too. Yeah. I mean, usually they get a little curdly. Yeah. Then I get a lot of trout in those. Yeah, I yeah. bet you do. But what is the uh, what's the uh, what's fish? <laughs> Bluefish, toothfish. <laughs> yeah. What's the uh, what's the story with the trout? So the trout. Uh, the story goes is um, the reason why there's a trout on the label, trout on the bottle, trout on the uh, the, the chalice. Um, is the story is the uh, if everybody's ever heard of Matilda, Princess Matilda. Um, in fact, there's a brewery out there that actually makes a beer called Matilda, and that's their ode to this beer, which was their favorite beer, and that's from Goose Island. But um, the story goes is that there was a Countess Matilda, and she was in the area where um, Orval sits today, and she was recently uh, widowed, and she was widowed, and she was the Countess of Tuscany. And so she was in this area in southern part of Belgium, southern part of Belgium, just across from the French border. And it happened to be that she had lost her wedding ring. And her wedding ring fell into this water. And at that point, she had knelt down and she had made a prayer. And she had made a prayer to ultimately say is, if I could get this ring back, I would do something charitable to retrieve it to say, ultimately, thank you. And at that point, a trout had rose out of the water. Mm. And return the ring with its with the ring, uh, the gold ring in its mouth, and so at that point uh, the the fable goes is that she had said this is truly truly a Val d'Or, which meaning Golden Valley, mm -hmm. and so hence how where Orval come from, and uh, at that point she actually donated the land to them where the monastery sits, mm -hmm. and so the monastery has been on that as property since 1070 AD. Oh my goodness, I love so, stories like that. Don't yeah. You? yeah. I thought he was going to say, you know, she just bought everyone a round of beer and that inspired them to brew their yeah. own beer. Like, that was her charitable. She's like, I, I got you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good story. And she'd be yeah, from Tuscany. Is. She just brought a ton of Barolo. And she's like, yeah, hey, yeah. let's party. Yeah. <laughs> my, uh, my actual, yeah. my favorite species of trout is the uh, trouser. That's one of my, my favorites. So. It's a snake. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Not I thought it was a trouser. Trout. It trout. is not. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. You live in your own world. I'll live in mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not mixed metaphors. Okay. So that... It's like an Andreaism. <laughs> yeah. She mixes stuff around. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a... How about, about a trouser mouse? Yes. Is that one? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, I'm sorry. That cheese just doesn't grate. <laughs> right yeah, yeah. Anyway, too crumbly. Yeah, too, it's too crumbly. Yeah. We're gonna get into a, a sixteen, huh? That's yep. exciting. Is this like out of your cellar? This is, uh, you know, uh, I'm guilty. I keep about nine, ten cases on hand, different vintages. Oh, smokes. Um, like I said, the beer wage in the bottle. Um, is it called bottle conditioning when they when they, when you do that or no? Is that what it's called? Bottle oh, conditioning. Already bottle conditioning. Yep. Uh, it goes through three fermentations. Uh, two in the uh, two in the cellar and then one or sorry two in the tank and then one in the cellar. So <laughs> don't. Right down the middle. There it goes. Oh, two in the. I didn't know we were playing t-ball here, Jason. Was... <laughs> throw that mitt ball up there. Yeah, you're welcome, Dodgers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Would you like my uh I haven't seen a gift like that since uh, <laughs> Brett Favre laid down for Reggie White. 
Thank you, sir. Put a head on that. So as this beer ages, what's unique is that ultimately the beer will get drier. Ultimately the beer will get a little more, the funk will kind of tend to fade a little bit, but in turn you won't have as much bitiness. And so um, what the share ultimately thing is that this beer should show up, it'll be a little more drier, maybe a little more um, darker in color. And uh, so this is actually 2016, if I recall, it is... Yep, just come up on actually just about four years. So How about uh, carbonation? Carbonation can be a little lighter? Carbonation will usually lighten up a little bit. So usually if you drink a, a bottle, a fresher bottle within a year, it's going to have a ton of carbonation. Yeah. It just tends to be a little more refined. So, Oh, yeah. This is a no gift. doubt. That is, that is quite tasty. But it kills Go ahead. And as I said, it's interesting that there's almost... Kind of like with wine, as it ages and oxidizes, almost a little bit of like raisininess. In yep, there. there's mm -hmm. definitely and some nuttiness yep. to it. Yep, yep. That's... Yeah, that is um, that's good. So that is the 2016 mm -hmm. Orval. I have had it as old as 18 years. Now, Grant, I could not tell you it was 18 years old if you blind tasted me on it, but uh, to know that I was having it 18 years old in this old. Well, 900 year old farmhouse in Belgium. Yeah, I was like a schoolgirl. Just uh... yeah, that doesn't hold up in court. Never hold up in court. Yeah, yeah. 18 years. Wow. wow. What? And yeah. Was that at the brewery or just someone who uh, had a cellar worth? Of, believe it or not, the yeah. gentleman that um, the gentleman that was the export manager for our ball, whose family actually donated, uh, whose family who uh, was owner of the land that was actually given to where the monastery sits to that day. Uh, throughout the generations, he had was still working for the monastery at that point, and uh, it was his farmhouse that he owned just miles from the brewery, and uh, he had it in his cellar and brought it up and basically tried it. So, wow. yeah. So, how far back do you know? How far back? I mean, like with with old uh, like Ornolayo or some of the uh, older uh, wineries out there. I mean, they go back a long yeah, ways, like 50, mm -hmm. 60 years. I mean, how far back will this beer age? For? I mean, do, do we know? Or? Realistically, I mean, the thing is, is when the monastery says five years or 60 months, that's a good range. I mean, I've I've had it past that. But the thing is, is once you lose that carbonation, then ultimately your beer is just going to de deplete. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so the thing is, is that I love, this is where I'd rather drink it at this point right here because it's just so, it's, it's just smooth. And I mean, it's almost like silk um, compared to that's... one year in. Um, should we let JT? Yeah, we probably should. Um, I'm not gonna. But. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you see yeah. some of like the Dry Fontaine and yeah. uh, those types of beers, and I don't know if they it's because of their style, stylistically, mm -hmm. but if you look on the bottle, it says to, uh, 2035 on that damn thing. True, true. So, yeah. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, you know, very rare opportunity for a beer to really age. And that's, that's a, cask and cork, though. That is true. Yep. So maybe that's part of it yep. as well. Well, it, the other thing, too, is that's um, that's also the style. That's lambics. Cajun it, cork, I yep. should say. Sorry. That's, with the lambics, they're a little more preservative there. They're, they have a little more uh, elasticity to go a little yep. longer. Yep. I think from this standpoint, from the fact that the monastery just flat out tells you on the bottle, here's when it started, here's when it's best before, is still a very good stretch for, you know, for a beer to, to be uh, consumed. Yeah. So. Well, it's delicious. Good. 
Guys like it. One of my faves. This is yeah. one of those things where if you could have the patience for it and the wherewithal and the warehousing for it as you buy a couple cases and you just mm -hmm. throw it in the back room and you bring it out Every a couple so years and, yeah, a couple yeah. years later. It just you know, there's gotta be some marketability for that. Yeah. That's really good. I took it back and you know, put a glass in front of him, then I chugged what was left in the bottle and slammed it <laughs> right down. in front of him. I said, you know, you can at least smell this. Yeah. So. That's good. You, you put I'm, an empty glass in front yeah, of him, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I job. don't want him to think he's people. Well, no, no. You gotta, you gotta beat him down. Yeah. Get in that beat down stage before you build him up, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. What, well, well, hold on. I don't know that second stage. Oh, well, Oops. we need to talk about that. Oh, okay. Baby steps. Yeah. Baby yeah. steps. Where, where do I make profit? So 12 of these bad boys, huh? 12 different uh, trap sales? 12, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we also um, we import uh, West Mall yep. and Rochefort and. Uh, Zundert, which is the new kid on the block, and uh, and Orval, yeah. So you got so. quite a few of them. Yeah, I mean eight out of the, eight out of the originals. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So which is the one that says six and eight on the bottle? Rochefort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the the significance there? The significance is that the monastery makes pretty much one style, which is a double style. Yeah. Um, but what's unique is that they do it in degrees of alcohol and gravity and gravity yeah. and OG. Yeah. yeah. And so. They, uh, I, I used to be an OG. You were? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was the uh, definitely the OG in my neighborhood. What about you, Matt? Yes. You are correct, sir. That's Thank that's, you, sir. May I have another? Hi, Aaron. Yeah, that's what, they, uh, that's what they used to call me on my shuffleboard team, too. <laughs> the OG? Yeah, it was kind of ironic considering they were all 90 but, and yeah, better than me. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. I was on a shuffleboard team on a cruise ship once. Really? So, a shuffleboard team? Yeah, because they had a cruise Olympics when yeah. we were going across. And I didn't know I had signed up for it. I was just talking to some people at dinner. And I came in the second day, and they're like, where were you yesterday? I was um, drinking. <laughs> you were supposed was, to be here. Yeah. So I came up, and I was like, well, oh, so today's basketball day. No matter, you know, I'm surprised you wanted to be there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of shape, but, um, you know. Oh. Yeah. But that and my, uh, you know, everyone else is like two to three times my age. So there's only like two or three people that. You didn't realize you were the ringer? And you... I did not. No. <laughs> I definitely that? wasn't the ringer on shuffleboard. Those people are good. <laughs> Holy jeez. Well, it's one of those sports where you can be 116 years old and still be good, right? Yeah. And all you got to do is be able to push forward. Yeah. 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 It's like they got really good at it because they told them they couldn't have pudding if they didn't, you know? <laughs> or their teeth back. Yeah. You know, like yeah. They, they literally were, they, they weren't playing like strip shuffleboard where you take clothes off. Like you couldn't put a sweater or a cardigan on unless you landed yeah. on the tent. Yeah, that's half as bad. Yeah. It's so, amazing some of the sports. But they all started that... out naked. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that, Matt. <laughs> Isn't it amazing though the different silly sports that are out there and how they got invented? Oh, yeah. Shuffleboard, how in the hell did that ever yeah. come to fruition yeah can you explain the pickleball pickleball uh can you can you explain bocce ball can you explain um you know <laughs> we could we could go on and on and on pickleball yeah good oh do we have a sorry the uh, the producers i think have you play oh you play yeah i'm a tennis player so i'm in a, but i've never played pickleball before so i'm not sure if well, i'd be really good at it or just awful at it just because i'm going to try and spin the crap out of it yeah 
and it, I don't think it probably works very well. It's kind of like cricket. You just have a paddle where you just yeah, it's whack with with it, yeah. with holes in it. Yes. Yeah. What are we doing next? Let's go to Scotland. Oh, go ahead, Matt. What's what do you got from Scotland? Anything? <laughs> What's your fancy? Uh, I have an elbow from Scotland. <laughs> Now, I've, I've told this story about uh, my first uh, scotch in Scotland, right? I was up on the Isle of Skye. I don't know. I, I feel like I if have, you haven't, I want to hear it again. Oh, yeah. It was years ago. I have, I, I want to hear it again. traveling with, um, uh, I was backpacking around, and I was in Australia, and I was way out on the Indian Ocean, and met these two guys from Scotland. Uh, uh, we were in a hostel and just kind of hanging out and drinking one night and uh, had a really good time, played some pool. And, said, and they said, you know, if you're ever in Scotland, come on up and, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hang out. Well, about three months later, I was still traveling and it worked out. So I got, in the, you know, got on, uh, on the interwebs and sent them an email. And to their ever-loving credit, these two 19-year-old kids, you know, I was 30 at the time, they are like, yeah, come on up. You know, we'll, we'll find a place for you to stay and everything, come hang out. And... They get up there and we're, you know, we're on Portree or on the Isle of Skye in Portree, you know, like 500 people live in that town, going to the five pubs because they have lots of pubs. And <laughs> five, we're there. First, yeah. First a one they hear me a talisker, you know, and the guy gives it to me. His name's Mark. And, and uh, it's Mark and Steven were the two guys. And Mark hands me it. And I said, so do I just, uh, you know, you know, you know, slam it? And the dude smacks me in the arm. He goes, now you don't knock it back. <laughs> you gotta sniff it and admire it, and then holds it up into the air, up to the light, and everything. And that was the first pub. <laughs> pub number one. Yes, yes. We got to one where uh, there was a couple of ladies that were kind of handsy. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't wearing a kilt because they were yeah, yeah, yeah. twig and berries. Yeah, yeah. yeah just a just a, a grabbing good time. So <laughs> they were in there. They were at least three times my age, I'm sure, too. I feel like they had a reputation in that town for that after the Highland Games, and they just decided, hey, it's not going to be the Highland Games today. It's a Kaylee. So. <laughs> it's called Grab and Go. Yeah, Grab and Go. Yeah. <laughs> grab and Go. <laughs> so what do, we got? what do we got in the glass right now? So this is a very unique uh, property. This is actually called Traquare. And it's so it is the oldest inhabited house in Scotland. It is still under family royalty. And what is unique with this is that we are drinking the spiced Scotch ale. So this is actually a commemorative brew that was brewed with coriander. Um, but the location where this was brewed is actually where, um, if you recall, the Jacobite Rebellion. Um, there's a gentleman named Bonnie Prince Charles, and Bonnie Prince Charles shut these gates at Chiquire, uh, and I believe it was 65, so it would have been oh, 1745, excuse me, 1745, he closed the gates and literally said, we will not unlock these gates until we've taken back Scotland from the English. And to this day, they still are locked. And so in uh, the 250th anniversary in 1995, they actually produced this recipe called Jacobit, and um, spiced it with coriander and here we have so this is a unique one because it's a true scotch ale very low in hops um but uses beautiful um coriander as, as a spice uh, mm -hmm. as, uh, to flavor it but really just a malt bomb 
and uh, yeah, it's unique. It's a it's a two man operation that sits at this uh, oldest house oldest house in Scotland, and um, believe it or not, if you ever make it over to Scotland, it's an actual working museum, beautiful hedge maze in the back, and uh, and then a little brewery that was founded. Well, it was it was rediscovered? Let's put it that way in 1965, and so the uh, the history behind it was that the family had realized that they, um, the, the daughter that owns it now, Catherine, uh, her father uh, had found brewing equipment that dated back to 1965. Mm. And this, I'm sorry, this was in 1965, realized that he had these huge oak barrels. And when, they, when you test the depth on them now, they actually go back about 230 yeah. years. Yeah. So, and so ultimately it's that Scotch ale is, is aged in some type of wood. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, in our terms, when we talk about wood, we're thinking that, oh, my God, it's 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 new oak. It's, yeah. oh, it came from Mike Maker's Mark, or, oh, it came from Templeton, or it came, you know, not so much. And the ultimate thing is the old world term was it was aged in oak because that was what they had to use to, to ferment their beer. They didn't have stone fermenters. They didn't have stainless steel, of course. But in turn, they uh, they basically had to store it in something to start fermentation. So they have these beautiful open-top wood fermenters. So, um Kind of a cool operation, uh, two-man operation. It's Frank and Frank and Ian, and uh, it's best I could do. But uh, uh, two—I uh, kid you not—if we took this room we were in and doubled it, this would be the size of the brewery. Wow, wow! This would be—you'd have the wood uh, top fermenters in one room, like, uh, and the other room would be the whole brew house. And um, it's converted uh, milk um, uh, brewing equipment. Uh, from basically like the old uh, uh, condensers and heating equipment, stuff like that, that's turned into brewing. But um, it's unique because the brewery doesn't have a bottling line, so they'll actually tanker it off and have somebody else bottle it. But in turn, they brew and age it right there. So What's the uh, castle in the, on the picture there? It's, and it's also on their glass. I mean, it's... Uh, so that is... That is the square house. Yep. That's, yeah, that, yep. that's the one that's the, old, the oldest. That is the oldest house. 11, oldest. 1107. Yeah, 1107. Yeah. So very, very unique... Uh, um, what's unique is that the bear, the bear gates, when you pull up uh, about 600 yards away, beautiful birch trees that have been growing thick, that would have been the main entrance into it, but the gates have been closed for that amount of time. And so there's a secondary entrance from there, but uh, you roll up to the square house. So, wow. But, and they make, they make the Jacobin ale, and then they make the, the traditional Scotch ale. ale yep. yep. And then yep. they do, I, I feel like you told me one time that they do one. They only pour at the, yep. at the house, right? Yep, and that's okay. usually called um, Bear Gates. Okay. So, but... Uh, Where's the brewery located? Innerleithen, Scotland. Which is south of Edinburgh. Yeah. Southwest. Southwest. Yep. Okay. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How old is this little guy we're drinking? Cause well, this one is from 2027. <laughs> <laughs> we're drinking a beer in the future? <laughs> So I've got to tell you, we got our, uh, our DeLorean, and yeah. we just... Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what's unique is this... We invented the DeLorean. Exactly. I can't believe the COVID is still around. It's not the Pontiac, it's crap. That's the other one. It's a piece of shite. So the, uh, what's unique with this is that Frank and Ian, uh, who put the uh, aging on the beer, they actually put a 10-year shelf life on this mm -hmm. beer. And so, based on what's on there, it says "see of the neck," and that's what it said. Is so the beer was actually brewed in 2017, okay. and so it has a, two, a ten year shelf life. So, granted, two man operation, seven hundred barrels, very very proud of what they do. Beautiful traditional Scotch ales, 
a multi peaty. Um, it's got the earthiness that goes behind it, and then of course you try coriander. But in turn, it's one of those beers that would just sit in the bottle and just mm-hmm. just chill. It yeah. really it's not so much going to get better. It's just it just chills. Yeah, just yeah. hangs. Just hangs. No, I like yeah. it. When it's uh, when you said it's open top ferment. Yep. Is that going to be a spontaneous ferment? No. Uh, Okay. No. It's something they initiate and... Yeah, so they'll pitch the yeah. yeast. Yep. Okay. They'll do traditional pitch in the yeast and basically just, it's just fermenting. And so, um, so the yeast will actually be um, self-propagated. So, okay. yeah, be thrown in itself. Okay. So, yep. Yeah, this is going to be one of those places that uh, um, I don't, you don't necessarily owe me any favors other than being on this podcast, of course. <laughs> but one of these days when I go back to Scotland, um, I'm, I'm going to have to go here. I just... I, it's it, it's the stories, and if you don't travel for stories, then what you travel for? I yeah. Mean, to, to meet the people and the, and the history. So. Well, the crazy thing is, is that this was my first brew, and I I joined the company and and landed in Scotland a year after joining them, and being a Wallace, I, I landed in in uh, Edinburgh. And it's yeah. like, oh, we're going to land in Edinburgh. You have an extra night to stay there, and then you, the next day we'll go to Traquair. And so I'm like, well, first of all, I'm giddy because I'm going to land in my home country. And I've turned, so we land, and I met another gentleman that just started, and we didn't know each other from, we were from different, two different parts of the country. And all of a sudden, we're at the castle in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, and yeah. we're rolling in, and as you roll in, I'm looking, and of course, there's William Wallace's <laughs> statue there, and then there's dad. There's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cousin, hey. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then there's uh, the Earl of Bruce. Um, and so, so, Robert the Bruce, sorry, Robert the Bruce. Uh, off to the side and so you can just walking through and i'm just enamored first of all just because first of all I'm out of the country and i'm in scotland and i'm just the first of 18 days in europe but in turn it's just like um you know i didn't know what to expect so you know it was very very eyes wide open but in turn then to go to this first place was beautiful and so um but the history is very, very unique here and, and like i said it's uh um history is really what we kind of we dive into what we do and that we, we really like to talk about that and let the beer speak for itself and i think that's kind of what we're going as we said before the stories are what make it I mean, oh, it, yeah. it better be tasty well it's yeah. kind of assumed but some of the cool stories are just you know, well, 1107 yeah no and the family's been living there basically uh since 1491 to mm-hmm. present day yep uh, i mean i've been in my house for like 20 years yeah. so that's kind of cool <laughs> right so i got that going yeah. for me which yeah. is nice yeah, yeah. 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 Moved in there in 2000, 2020. Yeah. So there's there's a start of some history out here for that. So well, for yeah. me too, like, we've talked about this a lot, Brian and I do about uh, about wine and how you know wine will move us. And yeah. It'll, you know there are things about you know the the nuances, the essence, the sense of place, and mm-hmm. we just don't get that from <clears throat> a lot of beer. And granted, you know what we do. We bring in a lot of things that are adjunct heavy, and you know it's kind of where the market's at right mm-hmm. now. But then you find these rare ones like like Laval, like Traquair, that actually do have a sense of place. Mm-hmm. And you know Edinburgh is one of my favorite places, and you know it, it has that that kind of ancient feeling that you don't run across a lot. You know, kind of like Barcelona. There's something about Barcelona that just feels like the bones of it go really deep. And when I drink, you know beers like this and and the typicity and just the sense of place of it it's it's fantastic and and i would you know these are the type of things that that i would want you know, generally to drink uh, 
but uh, but yeah, you can give me the twenty bucks later for that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Venmo, you would say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it is. I mean, I go off on things like that, and that's you know not even a sales pitch. It's just you know straight up. You know, if you want to taste something that senses of a place, then then do the old world beers. Sure. They're just and that I think the thing yeah. is is that's the allure of why what we're doing is the fact that you basically get. You know, it's these stories that kind of add into it, but also it's this mystique. You know, it, you don't get a lot of that. And, you know, there's some great stories out there. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of with what's going on in the U.S., but we still got a long ways to go before oh, yeah. we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, there's some no super depth. And right. so, but um, but in turn, you know, I've met so many brewers um, well, along the way. So many of the guys have been in the beer industry that basically their stories started similar. Is that they're they found their passions 20, 30 years ago, and it was usually some type of inspiration, something. Mm -hmm old world or ancient or something along that line that basically drew them into what they're doing. And so that's always very cool to hear because um, in turn, it's always going to have its place. So, What glass you want yeah. for this bad boy? Let's do, we'll stay on the uh, last glass. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yep. And by the last glass, it's a little 10 ounce snifter. Goblet, yep. Snifter, goblet. yep. Perfect. Yep. So anything <clears throat> usually it's got a little bit of depth or a little bit of... Uh, hold on it um and so this one we're next to go we're actually going to do an english strong ale um yeah matt and i have a, a pretty special uh speaking of sense of place with uh with this brewery as you remember yep uh, you hooked us up with sam smith which was pretty damn cool Young samuel yeah Fraser. Yep. samuel <laughs> what's that crazy Phrasing Samuel. Yeah, yeah. He, well, he hooked us hook up us with up. a pub crawl. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Phrasing is always key with Sorry, me. Samuel. Sorry, <laughs> Samuel. He was a great guy, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He. I mean, he could not have been more hospitable. Yeah. It was just so nice. And we just went on and on and on with him. We must have gone to, what did we go to, five? Five yeah. different pubs? Yeah. 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 We were slated to do three. Yeah. And and but that's, just, I mean, we're adorable and charming. Yeah, he ghosted. Yeah, yeah seriously. It was yeah. like, yeah, did, I got to go. Yeah. Like walking against Ooh, the, the wind. Like, <laughs> but that's that's yeah. awkward hospitality, but yeah, yeah, very, very charming. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I'd, I'd go, I'd just wander around and drink with him again. Sure. I, I, we've said it before, and I think in one of our podcasts, and we did the Perry, that he just, going to those pubs, he didn't big league anyone. He nope. paid with cash. He never tried to say who he was. Never, well, never no. once said who yeah. he was. Yeah. Everyone knew you know, who that, he was. Sure. Well, yeah, the old Cheshire, that manager one, noticed yeah. you know, right at the end. But, one but time did he say who know. he was. Yeah. yeah. And it was just that last one where mm -hmm. they recognized him because it was kind of his, we think it was his local. because Very well, because yeah. I, I believe he's down there more. That he's yeah. put more mm -hmm. roots down there because uh, yeah. they haven't been in um, that part of London for quite some time. And so... Uh, they've recently expanded. Let's put yeah. it that way. So, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's been more, more of a, a project for them. But it's it's great. I mean, the thing is, is that's their culture. It, it's not. It, there's no boasting around. It's just yeah. simplistic and yep. you know. But how many breweries do they or how many uh, brew pubs do they own? It's a lot. So they're over 200 pubs. Right. Yeah. And so um, you know the thing is, is in, in in the UK you can have. You can actually be a brewery and also own your own tight houses. So you can have your own um, pubs. And so with Smith, you know, you're out of the northeastern part of, of Tadcaster. And uh, that's where the original brewery sits. And so that said, they have uh, breweries, uh, the pubs that l launch from there. But then they also go all as far south as, as London. And so they've put more 
real estate in there in London because of just some old world pubs that are around and they've re, you know, launched them. The one you mm -hmm. went to, which was the Cheshire Cheese, mm -hmm. you know, where an old where Dickens used to sit and write, uh, <clears throat> iconic. And so for them to take on that was more of a, a pleasure than it was a you know responsibility. But uh, um, so yeah, um, I'm very envious because I haven't been to the Cheshire. I haven't been to anything in, in London yet. And so, um, but I've been to many many Smith pubs, and and um, they're all very you know clean, quiet. No cell phones, yep. no TVs. No in the middle. If you, yep. if no yep. TVs, no, no yep. music. Coburn fire yep. if possible. Yep. Great conversation and really, really inexpensive beers. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't it his, was it his grandfather or, you know, that he wanted it to be like five, like five pounds or whatever it is for a pint so that... The common man could still drink in, in a place and have a good good price for a beer. Well, the other thing too, yeah. the, you very much yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is I mean, it's, it's a, I I never can equate how many beers I've bought for. I mean, I think I remember correctly, four beers for less than five bucks. Mm -hmm. Let me just put it that way. And then, you know, and and you can have anywhere from cask condition bitters all the way up to imperial stout. Yeah. Um, and so the thing is, what's unique is for them is there was a concept of the working man's <clears throat> pub. And so they wanted to have people there, but in turn, you have them there. While you have them there, you have them there for dining. You have them for there for food and for maybe it's um, spirits, maybe it's you know. But in turn, it's to have the atmosphere. Keep in mind that in the UK, they don't have the experience of having a full-size liquor store with you know 300 linear feet of of beer and spirits and yeah. wine to pick from or more. They don't have superstores to pick from. They have a, a Tesco that might have. Yeah four to eight feet of product and that's it and that's a rarity but their concept is you go home and have dinner and then you go out for the pub and have a few and then come back and yeah. so and that's you know and so that's kind of what they're set up for and we so, should have done that we should have eaten while we were at the pubs we did not eat oh that was not a good choice <laughs> not a good choice at all. So we had we had some chips or crisps yeah, i guess yeah. we had some crisps yeah we and just kept a, going and going the, and going the yeah. pub that uh, it was in an old church, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we, we ate a lot of those, but that did not give us a base. So, right. so tell the story uh, that you've told many times, because I, you know, work with you, yeah. about when you first met us. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, in the, we, in the we, Cheshire we, Cheese. Yeah. yeah. So we're sitting there. We got there early, which, you know, was... That's kind of par for all of us. You yeah. know, not, nobody in our group really likes to be late. If we say we're going to be someplace, we're not fashionably late. Then we got there and we sat down and found a little place and because it's kind of a maze. Mm -hmm. like you walk yeah. in, there's a right, left, down. I mean, the steps, thing's a million years old, yeah. so mm -hmm. it's not like it's a big, spacious living room. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. tiny little rooms. I think it actually wasn't always a pub. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, and it's kind of, anyway. We were uh, yeah. We go back and we sit down. We find a place and course there's a group up at the at the bar that's a little louder and, and everything and brian recognized sam when he walked in oh and uh we're sitting there just having we're on at least second pint probably i was on my my second <laughs> maybe third uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he we saw him walk over and tap someone on the shoulder and and because and she went you know shook her head because people on the podcast can't see me shake my head right now <laughs> And and then Brian says, you know, oh, Sam, and kind of waves at him across the room. And he looks over, and you can see his shoulders drop because like it was a loud kind of uh, like, louder American. And, and you can see that yeah. he was walking in yeah. thinking that. Yeah. And as soon as he saw that, he's like, ah. Oh. 
again, <laughs> again with the assholes. You know, <laughs> and, here we go. And, 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 he, and he turned and he came over and sat down and and you know you may not think so, but we're pretty laid back, you know, and just sat and chilled. And I think that I don't know. If, I'm not going to say we it endeared us to him or anything, but it seemed like it we're the type of people yeah. that he could just sit and chat mm -hmm. with, and he didn't feel like he had to put on a show. Yeah. Because we just wanted to hang out at a pub and drink. Sure. And and that's what we were interested in, yeah. you know, these things. And uh, so then we walked all over yeah. frickin' central London and <laughs> almost got hit by buses and, and all that too. So, so yeah, it was a really good time. And I tell you what, I can't thank you enough for, for that setting that up that's one of my favorite i'm thankful too because i just put a request in and all of a sudden the, yeah because we didn't know it was going to be that dude yeah and all of a sudden we show up in the samuel smith exactly. yeah, yeah that, that yeah that's kind of kind of neat just yeah. kind of sort of well funny story you know is is that um young samuel it came over to the united states and actually spent about a month almost two months in new york city Mm -hmm. And he just didn't know how the U.S. distribution scene worked. He didn't know how the bars mm -hmm. and system. He he was fully unaware. So when he really started to kind of dive into this, he came over and in all places he ju he jumped on the scene in New York City and basically mm -hmm. just hit the streets and went around with our guy and just got to know pub owners and see mm -hmm. how things worked and just you know. But he didn't go around to say who he was. He just said, "I'm here to sell you this beautiful beer. It comes from this brewery." And you know, he's very very humble. And but in turn, you know. Um, just basically showing off his wares and mm -hmm. and, and, and just to, he wanted to get the lay of the land of what happens in the U.S. beer culture too. And he walked he went back with a very very much an open eye mm -hmm. uh, with what's going on because he he it was totally 180 from what goes on over in the U.K. Mm -hmm. So, well, straight up, Brian, uh, one of the if I had like a if there was like a list of things that you might lose me to, uh, it it may be a program that, that uh, Samuel Smith has where you can. Uh, Put in and apply to run a pub for a year. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know the uh, the lady friend and I have talked about that. Oh boy, here we and, go. Uh, so you're going to be on a one year hiatus? But, Maybe. I, who knows? <laughs> you know, if it goes if it goes well, but yeah, you, you we really can't. We you might can all go. Yeah, I'll I mean it's long hours. I mean, that, oh sure. Like I, I've done a lot of googling, and it's no joke. Oh yeah. I mean, it is. It's you're you're not just yeah. doing a job. You're I mean it's a community <clears throat> service in a lot of regards. Remind me after this yeah. podcast is over to yeah. reach out to him and put a Nix on that room. Yeah, yeah. Did you see these pictures he took? Here's a couple yeah. pictures of Matt. Yeah, yeah that, in, that statue in, yeah, didn't deserve that. Compromising <laughs> positions. I do have a series of statues of, or of uh, pictures of me doing things to statues yes, around he the does, world. Actually, so, oh, really, yeah. that's, a, that's a true story. They're good. Yeah, yeah they're. Most of them are. They're tasteful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of them are. Most of them are kind of tasteful. <laughs> Well, well, that was tasty, that but we didn't really talk we about that. We didn't talk about it, yeah. Let's so talk about it. Actually... Now that it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about Let's the beer try. we just drank? We should drink that we beer. Oh, more. wait, we already did. Yeah, we did. So this actually was one of the cellar. It's actually stinky. Yeah, that left. So there's, there's, I have a second bottle. Oh, look at you with the second bottle. Let's hold on here. We still have this first bottle. So this is Stingo. So this is a uh, um, basically a recipe that was revived. It's an old world English strong ale recipe. Um this was kind of a, believe it or not, an R&D project for Sam Smith years ago. But the gentleman that was the <clears> brewmaster <throat> that created um, our Samuel Smith Organic Chocolate Stout recipe, which is our best-selling beer now, he actually re-R&D'd this beer before he retired. And 
what he had come to find out was this is one of the unique, most unique beers he'd ever made because they'd never done a, or hadn't done a um, uh, barrel-conditioned beer uh, in quite some time. And so they re revived this and basically brought back this, this style. So this is a once-a-year brew, brewed once a year, cellared for 12 months on oak barrels, which is the Yorkshire Stingo barrels, or sorry, the Yorkshire uh, oak barrels. And Stingo's is basically just a nickname for a strong ale. And this is actually a 2017. So this is pretty much, I'm thinking after trying this tonight, she is pretty much ripe as can be. And she's right in the money to be finished off and perfect for Thanksgiving dinner. And yeah. so this was a sellable beer. But this is basically a strong ale. Not as malty as, say, compared to the Chiquire, uh, but it doesn't have that spice. But as unique is that this beer um, in this vintage per received a perfect 100-point score in 2017. Reminds me a little bit of a brown ale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's good. We don't think we have any more of this left in the shop, do we? No, no, because I, I kind of had it sitting over there, and and yeah, this is this is Jason's product, and, <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, but I would set it down on the bottom shelf off to the side just so that I knew it would stay. It wasn't, you know, like flying out the door, and I thought, you know what, this is a little older, and I need to keep it on the floor, but I want it there for me to drink as it's older. He's <laughs> so leaving it there selfishly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, we've... Stuck several of the so this is this is their rarest beer they do. This is and that's the reason I brought it. It was one just to, as a treat. Um, this is you know a unique one for them. It's it, like I said, R and D. Uh, they still produce it about every other year. It's um, very limited in quantity, but it's one of those sellable beers. Um, most of most of Smith's beers are really not that style. They're mainly mm. meant to be traditional, forward, easy drinking beers. So we'll do that now with the next one. Yeah, it's it's very mild and balanced for a strong ale. For what we think of as a strong ale in the U.S., anytime you see, I see something that says American yep. strong ale, or or even English strong ale made by an American brewery, 10, 12 percent. Yeah, it may as well, it may as well just say on the back of it, "Don't make any freaking plans." Yeah, because it's yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't even drive a lawnmower after Nightcap, it. Nightcap, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can drive, you know, maybe a you know like a, a race car bed after it, but yeah. you can't you can't drive drive much at all. Ooh. So one of my favorite beers, and it's not a beer, it's a cider that these guys make, is uh, their Perry. I yep. just absolutely, we got a keg of that a couple years ago, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure, and we sold it pretty well, I'm pretty sure Matt and I drank half of that keg. It was so good. Oh, sure. Yeah. So good. Um, they release a, ke a different keg every year or something like that, right? They or do, yep. What are they doing? Are they doing anything with COVID? Are they doing anything this year? We're or? in a holding pattern. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, I think the thing is, is because one, it's a rarity uh, uh, draft from Samuel Smith. It's an intern right now. It's the way things are internally. Um, you know, we're waiting for the right moment in turn. It's, oh. you know, so. But, um, yeah, the last beer we had was their Winter Welcome uh, after the Perry. And that was uh, based on the um, season. And so, but, uh, yeah, the Perry was very, very nice. It's um, refreshing. and it's, it's so good. Yeah. Just so good. Yep. The Perry. Oh, as saying that you and I, although we sold Sorry, quite a bit of it, for a I have waked back on that. But uh, we, you and I, probably drank half that keg. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, at least in theory, over a decent amount of yeah. time, of course. Yeah. It's so good. So this is a rare one. This I don't really, quite honestly, I don't pull this out very often. And this is usually, and I, I, uh, I think the reason I brought it out was one. Uh, I keep a little bit at home, and you know what's unique with Sam Smith is that they do roughly seven different stout recipes. 
we import three. Um, the best seller of the three is our chocolate stout. The Imperial kind of is the third one left on the vine that uh, you know sees a little bit of time, but the problem is it's it's overshadowed because look how many other Imperial stouts are out there in yeah. the U.S. And it's not your typical. I mean, when you when you think of a Imperial stout in the United States. Mm -hmm. You're thinking, uh, what would you say on the uh, don't make any plans on the yeah. back? And that's yep. kind of yeah. the 12% yep. or 13%. And we put, you know, we'll put a whole again, bar of chocolate, bar of chocolate and cocoa yeah. nibs and everything else. Yeah, this guy's not Yorkshire that high terrier. Alcohol, I don't think, yeah. right? Yorkshire Terrier, <laughs> which are delicious, by the yeah. way. If they, you got to cook them just right, though. Yeah. 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 But I mean, what is it? This isn't super high alcohol. It's traditional. So yeah. it, it's traditional at yeah. 7%. Yeah. It's got so, that great I mean, if you, you put that 7%, front of a lot of the beer guys uh, they're gonna say i don't want to have anything to do with this well i mean I most people if you blind taste them they probably say oh that's probably just a it's a really high alcohol dry stout and they would or know or stout yeah or, or they like wouldn't that. pick up because the thing is, is it's but they're, they're not picking up the traditional um dry espresso uh characteristics that come out of that um but yeah this is in traditional fashion this is an imperial stout and if you look on the label that i actually say it was brewed uh, according to the the Russian, you know, for the Russian queen, um, yep. you know, in that aspect of, of this is the reason why we brewed it, similar to how IPAs are brewed. This is what they do with uh, with their imperial styles is that they're brewing this to have a little more ABV to basically get across the Balkan Sea. So, yeah, but, um, you know, this is their traditional fashion. Um, yes, it's over. It's overshadowed with what's going on in the U.S. There's some great, great uh, in, uh, observations with what's going on for craft, but in turn, I yeah. wanted to bring this because really, quite honestly, we get into that heavier winter weather, and in turn, it's just it's just a very classic yeah. example. Yeah. So. yeah it was uh, like John Courage was was one of the original Russian Imperial Stouts, and yeah, that label's still out there, but it's been bought and sold so many times, yes. which which is terrible because John Courage Amber was you know, phenomenal beer, but but yeah, this is. You do see Imperial Stouts out of England, but not many. No. Like, like for something that originated there, you know, for it to be so overlooked. True. And, and it's just, it's just it's something tasty. that I try and find. It's yeah. tasty. Kind of like ESBs. You just don't find the ESBs that, that you want. You know, but that's Brian and I's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's something I like. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's uh, that's one of those rarities. I mean, that's, that's Samuel Smith's number one selling produced beer is Old Brewery Bitter. And, mm -hmm. uh, but if there's, you wouldn't do any justice to be brought to the United States because it's just. Yeah. I may have drank four of those that night. Yeah. Not why? Yeah. So, <laughs> because yeah. we just can't drink it fast enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is too bad. You know, I'd, someday, you know, yeah. someday we'll get people to, to understand. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I like to think. I, I, think I think I think the world has shown that that we are very reasonable people that will listen to things that will change our minds. Yes, <laughs> yes. The election would be a perfect example of that, wouldn't it? Was that still going on? Wait, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be going on until December. Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. It's not over. Well, it never ends. Until the fat lady like, like, we'll start We'll start campaigning for the next immediately. Exactly. Like, there's, there is no off-season. I will tell you, though. It's, it's like AAU basketball as a kid. How wonderful like, was it last night? Or two things. One... Yeah that I didn't have to get a wheelbarrow to bring all of the, the propaganda crap from my my mailbox mm -hmm. to the recycling. Yes. And two, that the TV was not full of all of the uh, of the TV campaign stuff that they were doing. It was off last night. It was quite nice. Yeah, instead of spending $300 million on campaign ads, how about, again, we're gonna, this is called a callback in the industry, in, 
why not just take $300 million and buy everyone a friggin' beer? Yeah. And let's, let's just see where that takes us yeah. instead. Yeah. <laughs> if, if Joni, but, but here, if Joni Ernst would have sent me a coupon to buy a beer, I would have definitely gone <laughs> yeah. and gotten a beer. And yeah. we could have talked about sure. some stuff, yeah. right? Like we're doing yeah. now. Yeah. Or just buy it from us. Yeah. yeah. Or if that's my angle right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm as selfish as anyone else here. Yeah. I want to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> so one good beer after another, my friend. Ooh. And Matt's enjoying the beer, so too. Do you, I guess, what do you drink at home, then? Like, just on a daily basis? Bush Light. Yeah. That's kind of what I figured. <laughs> Natty? That's a, Natty lot of, light. a lot of people in this what's industry. The, what's the one that's blended with orange juice or whatever? What's that one? Uh, Blue Moon? No, there, there's a Natty Light or whatever that they do with oh. the... Um, oh, the... Natty Mosa? Lemonade or the... Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. The pink one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I've I all my life I've been a mood drinker, so it's yeah. whatever I'm in the mood for. I mean, yeah. it's just whatever, or that simple saying, simple saying that whatever's in your hand, you know, it's because the problem is, is that I don't hold a, yeah. the same beer in my hand very long. That's the problem, and yeah. my wife will tell you. So, um, but the thing is, is ultimately is whatever's tasting good, and whatever goes down quick. Yeah, and, uh, you said you started out in the wine industry. Do you still? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, dabble in wine and drink. I wine do. At home yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I still want for it. I, mean, I think I have my favorites. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, uh, I have my crushes, so to speak, that, yeah. are, you know, that are out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, you, it's your go-tos and, um, you know, you, they're always just consistent. And I think the thing is with wineries, they never, they don't let you down. I mean, especially with the fact that the family owned wineries and the scales right. that go there. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk uh, spirits then. What do you like for spirits? What am I on now? Because I mean, let's be honest. Anybody that is like us and drinks, all you know, basically a booze agnostic. Yeah, you've got spirits at your house. Sure. And they're hidden. Oh yeah. And then there are ones that aren't hidden. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gin and scotch. Yeah. I had a little, little Glenmorangie last night. Mm -hmm. Did you? Yeah. That's the one blended with orange juice, right? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Glen, Glen, and orange. More Angie. Angie. I, I just had a hit put out on me from yeah. that family. Yeah, nice job. Here. By Diageo, they're coming at me now. <laughs> I had a little of that last night. I was going to open some really good bottles last night for the election, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, I did have that that Ornolaya. That or yeah, that was really good. Mm. A little Ornolaya white. That yeah. was pretty tasty. A little Sauv Blanc and. And uh, another varietal, I think, in there too. A little Sauvignon and something else. I think. Yeah. But, and hmm. what, you're you're a Scotch guy. So the one I'm, I'm on Japanese scotches right now. Really, I've heard. I've like not. I don't think I've ever had any. Uh, Nika is what I'm on right yeah. now. Okay. Yeah. The coffee green Ooh. is yeah. Really? Yeah. I think I actually I the day I got sacked on uh, to get off the road and stop traveling for work uh, was because COVID was coming. Was the day I stopped and was in Minnesota and picked up a bottle of this Nika and it was I've been nipping on it because I seventy five dollars. That's not. But when you amortize that out over one night, that's okay. Yeah. Over one night, yeah. 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 I mean, it's only been <laughs> yeah. here, seven good. months, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my my thing is is that's definitely an end of the evening for me. Is I'm always a, a, a beer than wine than of course scotch ends the night. So um, or even gin. Gin's usually the you know gin's like the exhaustion of the day and I'm gonna have a nice gin and tonic so but those are my two evils mm -hmm. you know so we have so many evils Matt no I don't <laughs> I see dead people I know you do and they're evil <laughs> let's get after what I've been not that I've not enjoyed all of them the, the little lambic is gonna be 
The little is good. Season. Yeah. More must be better. So this is the one every once in a while they'll mix with, uh, or Alambic, they'll, they'll make a little cocktail out of it, right? Sometimes. You can. You can, yeah. With the, sometimes with the chocolate stout. Or um, you can do well, that not with, with this guy. Now so with this guy, more with the uh, with the uh, strawberry or the frambois. Mm -hmm. right? So he uh, just took the uh, bottle cap off the top, and there's a cork in this as well. So yep. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So go back to what Brian was talking about with yeah. Trey Fontaine. Is that Trey Fontaine one of the? Uh, that was my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Surgery is imminent. Well, I'm glad you kept it high. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, um, the uh, Trey Fontaine is one of the uh, seven family Lambic brewers, and Lindemans is as in our portfolio, and and so. Um, but yeah, you're talking about the Frambois, which is the, I mean, in my opinion, it's the best selling fruit beer out in the market yeah. ever. I mean, it's yeah. it's the epitome of, you know, old school OG, you know, raspberry fruit beer. It's crazy, but uh, yeah. So you mix that with Samuel Smith chocolate stout and make a beautiful chocolate covered raspberry, yep. or yep. or take their strawberry and make a chocolate covered strawberry. Um, but yeah, so that's definitely two you know unique beer cocktails you can produce. So, do you want to do wine glasses with this, or maybe one of um, this little guy here? Okay, we might want to do wine glasses. Yeah, yeah, cool. Just cleaner and, and also yeah. the uh, extra bubbly and effervescence on it. Yeah, yeah it worked. So yeah, our production staff should have had those. Uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> she came ones. in late. I mean, he's an important guy here. I mean, I mean this. I mean, he's, he's no Rex Manning, but but still, he's you right my we right should there. have glasses and fresh. You get my writer. Oh yeah. man! Yeah. So it, what well, is this? I have all, is, is I have all these green M&Ms. How do you pronounce what like, it is? The green M&Ms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. I, I want a green a, 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 a bowl of a licked bowl of... green M&Ms. <laughs> <laughs> How do you pronounce? Is this goose? Goose? Guza. 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 And what is a guza? So a guza is a blend of young and old lambic. So anything basically, if you have any, it's a lambic. Um, all lambic producers really do is that they're brewers and they're blenders. Love that sound. Yeah. All makes me want to tinkle. So <laughs> lambic is basically lambic producers basically are um, wheat ale, um, spontaneously fermented wheat ale brewers, and then what they're doing is they're actually following kind of almost like a wine trend. They are blenders as well. And then, of course, if you get up to the master blender level, then you are Dude. iconic. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Matt is yeah, trying no, to... Uh, again, I'm normally in the shower when I go that. So, <laughs> anyway, sorry. So, um, yeah, so Guza basically just means a blend of young and old uh, wheat beer, um, more or less, is what Lambic would be. But what's unique, though, is that when they produce this beer, so what's unique with Lambic is that Lambic is only produced within a certain time frame. So really right now until about May next year is when Lambic is produced. So our cool weather is when they're brewing their beer over there. But they cannot brew their beer during our weather patterns that we have over here, which would be almost similar where in the weather in the winter, sorry, in the summertime when we get uh, humidity. Mm -hmm. And um, because you're brewing with a product such as airborne yeast, you can't control airborne yeast. In the wintertime, you can control it. In the summertime, you cannot. So the brewery does not brew during the summertime, but they brew in the wintertime. So because they can actually manipulate the, manipulate, manipulate the yeast. First day of your new mouth. I get it. I've been there. Yeah. Yep. So the uh, it's the first time that it, when they start brewing that uh, in that season from October to May is when basically they can actually start brewing batches of this wheat 
uh, spontaneously fermented ale. And then basically just making batches uh, day after day and then put them in fermenters. And then if you can imagine, just like a wine um, a blender, we'll go in and actually blend different batches of Guza or different vintages and blend the right, together the right batch. So, so Guza? Guza. So G-O-O-Z-A is or more or less the way to pronounce it. So G-U-E-Z-E -E is how it's spelled, though, it's right? It's G-E-U-Z... Oops, sorry. We're missing a U in that mix. So G-U-E-U-Z-E -E is... So oh, Matt, Matt, that's a typo. No, I cut and pasted from Jason... <laughs> So Jason, that's your name, right? Jason's email. So awesome. how does how does that how does that differ <laughs> from my arigato? Domo. Domo arigato. How does that change, or how how is that different from a goza or a goes yep. G O S E yep. that we see here that there's some salt added and well, so on and so forth. So goza is is from a, a region in Germany where the brewer basically just made a a. Um, wheat beer that also has have a little bit of lacto on that as well. So okay. going back to similar when we talked about um, alt beer, Munster alt beer, those that comes from a specific region in Germany where they basically they found out that hey, we can take this similar Rheinheitskabel four ingredients, but then in turn we can use a different yeast that actually gives a little more tartness to this wheat, but then we can also add either a Woodruff. Or we can add a little salt to it. I mean, Woodruff would be more for your Berliner Weiss, but uh, salt would be more for your, like, Goza. Yeah. And so the thing is that that's where that comes into play. What is unique is that the brewer is going to traditionally pitch that yeast, where with um, Lambics, Lambic is going to be totally where the brewer will skip, stand, almost imagine if you're standing back hands off and you know when to put the right proper ingredients, temperature, right place and time to basically say, we're going to put this batch of stewed hot grains here and we're going to wait a certain amount of time and ultimately offer this open to the yeast that's in the air and basically let it come down and start to eat away and all of a sudden start spontaneous fermentation so that's lambic lambic basically skips that process and basically that's why it's considered one of the rarest styles of beer because you're ultimately waiting to see what happens from mother nature it's going to come down and basically start your, your your fermentation process and then after a certain amount of time if you've got the concept correct uh, all of a sudden, you've probably within eight to ten hours, you've got uh, fermentation that's started. You can kick it over to a, a, a tank, whether it's wood, whether it's uh, steel, and then you can age it from there. So, well, being a wine guy, I love this. I mean, it's just it's 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 a beer for wine people. Yep. So this is so this to speak to this. This is this is ginger goose, and so this is um this is a one-off. This is a one-time brew. Um, this is probably three if not four years old. Um, it was a one-time brew. The, um, so what's unique is that when I talked about Master Blender, which I only know one gentleman that's Master Blender, and he yeah. is way above me. Um, he is Rene Lindemann, and Rene is a Master Blender, and he basically, if you imagine, going in and be able to blind taste sour beer and put the right cuvee together, he tastes the best batches that are available. Well, his nephew and his son are also now doing this um, portfolio called the Biotanical Series what we're drinking. So the Ginger Goose line is basically what we're having tonight. They created this, but they took their best batches available. That was after Renee kind of siphoned off, hey, this is I'm the brewery owner. I'm going to take off these batches, but you can have the rest of these. And they pre presented this. And so this is a blend of uh, two and a half to up to four and a half year old before it gets put in the bottle. 
So then we add another three years onto the bottle. So we're now looking at probably a five and a half to a seven and a half year old lambic mm. with ginger roots steeped, steeped inside of it. So yeah, this is a special deal. So, I loved ginger goose on the Gilligan's Island. Did you guys like her or did you know? The professor made her, yeah. right? Yes, yeah. yes, mm. out of lambic. But this is one of, this is years ago when I first started buying beer for, for the store. I remember I got an email, and it may have been from you, but it was from the distributor. Like, oh, yeah, we got this really rare thing. I was like, sure, let's just send it in. And it showed up. I was like, wow, this is not cheap. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, not going to tell Brian. That <laughs> I'm not going to tell him. But we don't have any. Uh, I don't know what the hell this is, we don't but have any it looks left, cool. It's gone. Uh, I think we have two bottles. Oh, really? Left. Of that? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good, right? Yeah. And, for, you know, just... Up front, I don't generally like ginger. Uh, just straight up ginger. When I eat sushi, mm-hmm. I, I leave that off to the side. I'm not interested in it. But with many things, when it's in the right proportion and mixed with things, yeah. you can't just dismiss something out of hand. Kind of like wheat beers, you know. Isons, hot dogs. Hot dog water. To me, it's just hot dog water. And we, have, this, we should do like a whole episode on hot dog water. But this is just wheat, and it's Do we delicious. play some Limp Biscuit? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No? No, I don't want to give them royalties. Oh. Yeah. You have to? I, I don't know Probably. if we do or not. I just don't want to take a chance. <laughs> I, I got a thing about not wanting to give just ridiculous people money. Like, yeah. That's tasty. I mean, super tasty. I can see pairing that with actually with sushi. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is gonna be some sashimi. And... When I when I first heard about this beer, the first thing I thought of was ginger because that's probably one of the delights I have is is going for you know, every time they bring that crappy little side of ginger that puts with the sushi. Mm, yeah. But of course, I'm the first to go and just eat it up, and then I'm like, yeah. all right, let's eat the roll now. But yeah. uh, um, because you just how often do you have ginger just placed in front of you? So. The lights, yeah, the lights went out. Yeah. Yeah, the lights are out. Yeah. Small toast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyone else small toast? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that does that. The they must have announced the results. Lights went out. Yeah. Lights went out in the studio. That was an amazing lineup. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Right. Well, yeah. 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 <laughs> are you still here? Yeah. So yeah. I mean, until next time. Yeah. So. Someone's waving at us. Got um, people waving yeah. at us. We have a huge fan club. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We, we've got a lot of fans here in the studio. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, it's stuffy. So, see what I did there? It's stuffy. Yeah. yeah get it? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. It looks like easy, it. but it's not. Yeah. It's it's not <laughs> easy being you. No. Yeah. No. Actually, it kind of is. I just wake up this way. Oh. Adorable. <laughs> and cuddly. <laughs> Your words. Yeah. So. Well, listen. Um, I think we, I think we wrap this up. This has been uh, this has been amazing. I could do. I could go on for hours, and we probably will. And maybe we, maybe we uh, segue into a little after hours, and maybe open up something else. So I think we have an idea or two, right? I always have ideas. Yeah. Well, my thanks yeah. to you, Jason, uh, for stopping in. You and I have known each other for quite a while—at least ten years, right? Almost uh, more than that. Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, I'd so, say at least since 2007. Yeah, so there yeah. you go. Time flies when you're having yeah. fun, yeah. right? 
And I've known you for, Matt, for at least hot an hour. Yeah. yeah, for a hot minute. I mean, I've been looking at your guys' <laughs> windows for a lot longer than that. But, <laughs> Heavy on the hot. Yeah. I mean, I felt like yeah. I knew you for a lot of yeah. years. So, But no, this was, uh, I love it when we have guests here. Um, Jason, you should stop by and be a guest again sometime. And we'll drink some. We'll drink uh, Japanese scotch. Okay. You know oh, what? I'm not done. shitting you, man. Let's do that. Yeah. yeah and we're gonna we're doing an episode on we're gonna carbonate everything. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna get one of those little soda carbonators thing. Yeah. We've talked, been talking about it. So I'm gonna oh sushi roll. Let's see if we can yeah. carbonate that. Yeah. Should do your hot dog water yeah, first. Look, oh, we can carbonate hot dog. hot dog water. That'll be See if it'll awesome. top when you bite into it. Crisp. That'll be awesome. Got All right, guys. That. We're going to wrap this up. We're doing up. that on video. Yeah. If, if we can, the hot dog <laughs> Can we do a podcast the, and video? It's the well, the hot dog challenge is probably yeah. already taken somewhere. So, yeah, there's yeah. probably something there. So, All right, guys. Be safe. Blowing hot dog. Wow. Thanks for leaving us with blowing hot dog. Beer bone. Be safe, yeah. and we'll see you on the radio. Cheers. Cheers. Slaughter.